Welcome to another episode of It's Just a Talk. My name is Mauricio, and this is episode 006. So we started the episode with a different song this time, because by popular belief, people were telling me that they were getting tired of El Sonidito, and I was like, okay, it's Latinx Heritage Month, I'm going to, you know, put some flavor in it, and one of my favorite songs is called La Rebelión by Joe Arroyo. So episode 006 is being brought to you by... Fabuloso, what we use to clean every fucking thing. And don't even tell me de qué color, ni que hubiera otro color. We only know one color, and when I say fabuloso, you know what color you're thinking about. You're thinking about the purple one. Like, I didn't even know there was another color until I went to Dollar Tree, and I thought that there was, like, an orange one and a yellow one, and I was like, yo, that's weird. Mm probably doesn't clean as well as a purple one does. So this is why this episode is being brought to you by El Fabuloso Morado. That's the purple fabuloso. I can't, like, I guess I could translate fabuloso. It translates to the purple fabulous. Um, if you don't know what fabuloso is, please go to a Latino family and ask them what they clean everything with. And it will be the Purple Fabuloso. That shit's supposed to be bad for you, but ain't nobody care. Like, it's Fabuloso, yo. So let's get this party started. So if you're ready, I'm ready to talk some tea, talk some truth. But you know we will always have time to talk some shit. All the time while keeping it Spanglish, political, queer, shady. And you know... I was born right before the millennial. I actually cried in 2000 because Y2K was happening. Girl, and boy, if they don't know what Y2K is, they're too young for you. That means they're like 18. You can't date someone who doesn't know what Y2K is. But if you don't know what Y2K is and you're listening to this podcast, welcome, because this is also a millennial podcast. So let's get this party started. All right, and as we start episode 006, we're going to get into another section of how was your week? I'm starting to get it down. Remember how a couple episodes back I said, I really want to like channel Chanel. Not like the the perfume Chanel. Like, I want to channel my inner um, Wendy Williams, and I want to be like, how you doing? Pero cuando digo, how was your week? I want it to sound like that, like, how was your week? Pero it's getting better. You know, practica makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. So we're just going to get to it. How is my week, though? You know, I've been getting some really good news this week. And I feel because Venus is no longer in retrograde, like, or whatever that may. I just know that I needed to blame someone for all the shit that was happening. And people kept saying, oh, it's Venus. It's Venus. And I was like, Venus? Like, the player Venus? Or Venus, like... The racer that girls use? Like, I'm your Venus. I'm your sire. Your desire. And they were like, no way. Like, Venus. Like, you know, like, El Mundo. And I was like, yeah, like, mm. Like, I don't know what that means. I had to look it up, and, you know, it worked. I was able to blame my shit on Venus. So thank you, Venus, for no longer being on retrograde. Good shit happening this week. So this week, I got really good news. I got news that I'm going to be going to New York next month. Yay! The last time I was in New York was in April for spring break. I went with my friend Erica, and I we fucked shit up. I'm just saying. And so I'm excited to go to New York again. I'm actually going with the LGBTQ plus political leadership program, which is going to be a three-month program. But I'm not going to be in New York for three months. That actually would be pretty cool. But um, I also have to pay rent. So 
Yeah. It, so I'm going to New York for the training, which is like the first weekend, uh, the second weekend of November. I'm going to go to New York to train. Uh, and then everything is going to be online and here. It's through Lee, through Leadership and Educational Equity, which is an organization uh, for teachers uh, or, or like past teachers or people that are transitioning from teaching, a.k.a. me. Um, so it's really interesting. It's really exciting, actually, because this program is actually for LGBT people who are thinking of running for office one day, and it's basically like tools that we can use because currently only about 1% of actual politicians identifies LGBT in the United States, not like California. That's like all the United States. So that's kind of crazy. Uh, so yeah, so I got accepted to that. And talking about acceptances, uh, if you you listen on SoundCloud or if you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, there's a new way that you can listen to it now. I just recently got accepted to Stitcher Podcast, which is a new podcast um, like way that people can use to listen to podcasts, I guess. Um, and so Stitcher uh, accepted me this week, so I'm really excited that I people can listen to me in three different mediums way, in, in three different mediums now. And that sounded really Mexican. I was like, in three different mediums way, mira way, you can listen to me on Stitcher, you can listen to me on Apple Podcasts, or también, si no tiene esto y tienes un Android, you can listen to me on the, you know, the SoundCloud. I don't know. I went from, like, really Latino, and then I went to, like, sounding like some other accent. Ain't nobody know. Like, I remember when I was younger, I would try to do, like, a, um, a British accent, and people would laugh, and they'd be like, girl, you don't sound British. You sound Jamaican. So I'm going to try it right now. I'm going to tell you my next thing that I did in a British accent. And you can tell me if I sound Jamaican or if I sound British like Harry Potter. Uh, so I have I, other good uh, like news is that I actually got hired to work for the campaign that I've been volunteering. So Measure AA, the Children's Initiative, actually hired me to be their grassroots coordinator. Um, oh, yeah, I was going to say it in um English accent. Okay, let me try it again. So another good news is that the the measure that I was working with uh, decided to hire me to be their grassroots coordinator. Um, and really excited. I am going to have some tea and some crumpets all night long. Um, okay, so you tell me, do I sound Jamaican or do I sound British? I'm going to do a poll and y'all be, better be honest. So yeah, so I started working for Measure A as a grassroots coordinator. So I'm really excited about that. My official day is actually tomorrow. And basically, I'll be uh, training volunteers, calling people, texting people, emailing people, setting up, uh, like, nights, like, phone banking nights for different groups and talking to their leads and stuff. So it's going to be really exciting. Me siento muy excited uh, because it's a new opportunity. I've never worked campaigns before. I volunteered for like Voto Latino before and volunteered during the uh, last Obama campaign but haven't really ever actually worked a campaign. So I can put this shit on my resume, yo. Yay. So if you're on LinkedIn, get at me. Get at your boy. Uh, another really exciting thing that happened to a lot of people in the world um, I'd like to say the world because I found out that a lot of Salvadorians and a lot of Mexican people from Mexico, like, uh, automatically root for Los Dodgers, yay! So the Dodgers are actually about to almost advance to the World Series. So all they have to do is beat the Brewers, the Milwaukee Brewers, um, which they lost the first game, but they won the second game, and they play again tomorrow and then Tuesday, and then they'll go on to the World Series. I'm really excited because last year, this is where they messed up. Los Doyers messed up at this point, so they just need to meet the Brewers. Like, just beat the Brewers. We go. We're moving on. And so I went to, um, I found a bar in San Francisco that plays Dodger games. And you don't understand how rare that is. Like, the the rivalry that the Giants, the San Francisco Giants and the Dodgers have is insane. And so there's literally nowhere in San Francisco or in the Bay Area they will play Dodger games. But I found this group on Meetup, went to see the game with my friend Eddie, and we enjoyed it a lot, a little too much. Um, I realized that 
when I'm hanging out with my gay friends, I usually know when to stop. I'll be like, all right, yo, like, I'm kind of drunk. Like, I need to stop drinking. And I know my limit. When I'm hanging out with my with friends that are girls, uh, it's the same thing. I'll be like, yo, like, I'm a little drunk. Like, I need to stop. But I realize that I'm with, when I hang out with straight guys, I don't know how to say no. I, like, keep drinking whatever they hand me. And I don't know if that's, like, a, I, I'm trying to, like, you know, hang with them. I don't understand it. I'm, I might just call, um, you know, some therapist and be like, yo, like, what's going on? Like, why is this happening? But that's just, like, on the side note. Uh, all right, so then... That's basically what happened in my week. I've been doing a lot of work for the campaign. Um, and also, uh, this Saturday was the kickoff for uh, this new fellowship that I'm doing. It's called the Rising Leaders Fellowship with Teach America for Teach America alumni. And it basically, they're going to, like, it's a seven-month program, and they're going to train us, like, to, like, do different things to enhance our leadership and, like, pair us up with, like, mentors and stuff in the field that we want to go to. Uh, and then they help us with a project. Uh, I'll be telling you a lot more about my project and everything that's going to be going on. I'm really excited for this opportunity um, and excited for all of you to hear and just see the things that I get to do in the Bay Area, um, hopefully before I leave the Bay Area. I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen with my life next year. You know, como decía mi, mi mom, un día estás aquí, el otro día no so you never know. And there's a reason why I'm saying that. And I will tell you on, at the end of the podcast when I try to get things off my mind. Because some crazy ass shit happened this morning, actually. Uh, we were one of my really good friends. And I that made me realize, yo, like, I used to tell people that I love that I love them. But now we're going to move on to our segment of how was your week when we talked about those shows that, you know, we all just love and are getting even even more intense. So if you're listening to this and you have not caught up with American Horror Story, Story Apocalypse or How to Get Away with Murder, this is a point where you're going to hear this. And that's going to be your warning to fast forward. I'm going to put it on the, in the description. All right, so let's start talking. So American Horror Story Apocalypse is getting so fucking good. Like... Cuando yo te digo que eso se está poniendo bien bueno, se está poniendo bien bueno, como la chona. Remember, like, y la chona se pone... Da, 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 da. Okay, I'm, like, in this mood, yo, and I'm in a really good mood. I think because I just had a cup of noodle. I put some tajina on it, and I put some tapatio on my cup of noodle, and we went in on that cup of noodle. And no, I don't eat maruchan. Maruchan takes too much work. The cup of noodle, I just put the al agua, la tapo, three, four minutes, and we're ready to eat. Um, anyways, American Horror Story <laughs> Apocalypse. So in this episode, we actually saw that Cordelia was agreed to put Michael Landon through the Seven Wonders, um, which determines if they're going to be a supreme or not. We also find out that what she saw in her dream, she saw a man in a white face, um, like, destroying the world. So uh, when they're about to put him on the, I guess, the stand, I like to say that, when, when before he goes to where the girl witches hang out, the coven of the warlocks do, like, the ceremony where there's, like, blue fire. Yo, tell me why that blue fire, when I saw it, all it made me think about with the Goblet of Fire. I was like, this looks just like the Goblet of Fire. Because remember the Goblet of Fire was blue también? It reminded me of that. Anyway, side note. Then, when they were doing all that shit, I felt like something was going to happen because they were saying, like, oh, like, let all the bad go. Let all this good energy into him. And I was like, but he not good. Like, bitch is the devil. Like, what happening, though? But the only one that saw that he was a devil was that one guy, which I don't remember his name, and I don't know how important he is because I can't remember his name, but you know who I'm talking about because he's the one that dies. So then when he's leaving to talk to Cordelia to tell her not to put him to the test, he, like, gets killed by the creepy mother who is the robot who is Kathy Bates. So, like, Joe, like... Every time I hit my chin, that shit hurts. So I can't imagine getting the back of your foot cut like that. Like, just seeing her cut the back of his foot like that was creepy as fuck. Like, me dolió a mí. Ahí me dolió. La que adentro, 
me dolió. And then she cut his throat open and she burns him. The only thing that I, I kept thinking, I was like, how realistic is this? Because, like, if you burn someone at a gas station, like, won't that shit, like, blow up? Like, big old explosion? At least that's what I see in, like, the the, the action movies. Like, when they burn a gas station and an explosion. And, like, ah, everybody gets thrown across the room. But there was no explosion. There was, like, a contained fire. It was like, mm, I don't I, I don't know what's going on here. Anyway, so he gets to the seventh test. And the last test is when they asked to bring back Misty. Misty was the, the swan witch. And so then he goes to hell and he like, cause her hell, because she loves animal and she's a healer, her hell was to um, like kill a live animal over and over. But then Michael Landon goes in there and he like kills the teacher in her hell and then starts talking to these like evil spirits and then brings her back from dust. I was like, yo, this bitch, like if this don't tell you that he's evil, like he bringing people from hell, like what else gonna tell you? Like, yo no sé. Estos güeyes están pendejos, okay? Pero uh, my friend um, from Post... I can't remember his name. Okay, the black guy, the uh, the one from Pose, uh, he starts doubting that, like, he's good because he's, like, porque cuando se fue el que le mataron, like, he was like, wait, like, he has some doubt in him también. Entonces, Cordelia tells them that the only reason why he put him through the, she put him through the test is to see how powerful he was because she knew that he's the one with the white face, el que, like, acaba el mundo. And Misty le dice lo mismo, like, you know, she just feels some bad vibes, you know? It's just some bad blood. And this is not a Taylor Swift reference. Bad blood is not a Taylor Swift reference. I used to use that todo el tiempo, okay? Um, and then, uh, like, we find out that Cordelia is actually, like, deteriorating because there's a new Supreme coming. But I actually think that the new Supreme is not Michael Landon. I think it's, um, what's her face? Uh, Mallory. There you go. Me acordé. Mira, mi brain a veces sí sirve a veces se apaga. Uh, so Mallory, I think she's the Supreme. And I think they're going to, like, go head to head. They're going to, like, you know, like, Dragon Ball see that shit. You know, like, and Mallory's going to super saying that shit. Se van a pelear. But then at the end, she sends Emma... Not, I was going to say Emma Stone. Mira, qué pendejo. Not Emma Stone. Esta... Oh, my God. Emma Roberts, which is Madison Montgomery. She sends Mal Madison Montgomery to go, like, check where Michael Landon was born. And so then Billy Porter, that's his name, Billy Porter, who is Behold Chablis, I can't say his last name, wants to go with her. And we find out that where Michael Landon was born was actually the murder house from the first season of American Horror Story. So I am loving that they're mixing all the seasons. They're mixing Hotel, because we saw Hotel Cortez last season. They're obviously mixing Coven, and now they're going to mix Murder House. So my theory is that the ghost who impregnated, or the evil spirit that impregnated that girl in the first episode, in the first season, the baby that she had is Michael Landon. Landon, and he's the Antichrist, but so he's a white face. So that's my theory. What are your theories? Let me know on my Instagram at it's just a talk. Um, I would love to hear your American Horror Story Apocalypse theories, and I cannot wait for next episode and to just chat it up with y'all about it. And then we got have how to get away with murder. So I feel like it's taking a lot of time for them to get to the point. Like, we know that somebody's dead at Connor and Oliver's wedding. We know that somebody's dead. We know that Bonnie has blood of somebody on her leg. We also know that this somebody had Laurel's baby with them. And then Michaela finds out that there's blood. So we're spending a lot of time on this. We don't know what's happened. We just know we're getting to Bonnie's child still being alive and something happening with Bonnie's father. But we... And they're spending a lot of time on, like, these cases. So this episode, the case was, like, this... CEO who is supposed to be like a psychopath and they think that he killed his partner, his business partner. It turns out that it was really his wife. 
he's still guilty because he was an asshole to the jury, so the jury still wants to put him away, whatever. Like, they spent a lot of time on that. Like, we want to know the juicy details. Entonces, just some things that happened that we realized. Um, so, Nate finds a nurse at the hospital where Bonnie's baby was born. And she says that she knows nothing about it. She knows nothing about the baby being um, snatched 20-something years ago. So, then he finds out that she has cancer that she's dying. So, va para atrás and he says, yes, okay, I'll tell you, it's been killing me, it's been eating me alive. And then he, like, guilts her, shows her a picture of Bonnie with long hair, and she was like, yes, that's her. That's the woman that took the baby, like, the dad told me that she was the mom, and I thought I was reuniting families or whatever. So, we get to know that much. We also uh, get to know that Gabe, it has, like, a camera on... Gabe's um, apartment. So Gabe is a new character. So we know that Frank put a camera on Gabe's apartment, and then he sees that he has like this red bag that he hides atrás de la, like his fake chimney. So he goes in there and he like checks that he has like extra cash. He has a fake driver's license from Chicago with a fake name. Obviously, that's what makes it a fake driver's license. But he also has this like black like um, hard drive that he uses. So he takes it to like a hacker, and the hacker tells him that there's hard drive allows him to like send secret emails without getting like tracked so he has the hacker like get into the hard drive and make sure that anything that he sends through the hard drive is sent to Nate's computer so all that happens uh we, we also find out that Annalise um can't use her students because the governor's trying to get at her. So the governor forces all the students to pass this ethics test. And the only one that figures out what's happening is Connor because he goes off on them. He's like, I can't believe that you're doing this because we're trying to get free people out, talk about ethics. So there was a really good part for Connor. I was like, yes, Connor. Yes. Um, I'm sorry, I'm I'm rushing through it because a lot of different things... What, the thing with How to Get With Murder is that a lot of different little things happen and you have to, like, really pay attention. If not, you, like, miss it. The other thing that happened is that Oliver, like, finds out that Gabe is the one that has a flip phone, but Frank asked him a couple episodes ago they had to hack into a flip phone. So I feel like Oliver's connecting one and two. When we go back to the wedding, we find out that Connor's all beat up, that Oliver is missing. So is Oliver the one that's dead? But we also find out that the Nate comes to Annalise's um apartment and finds out that tells Annalise about like Bonnie and like the baby and Annalise says it's not Bonnie it's Bonnie's sister and so I my theory is that Bonnie kills her sister because she finds out that something happened to her son or me and but I don't know why she would have a Laurel's baby or maybe the one that kills the sister is not really Bonnie, but it's Bonnie's sister pretending to be Bonnie. But really, the sister is the one that killed Bonnie, and the one that's back at the party is actually Bonnie's sister. I don't know if you followed that, but it's a good theory. I'm just saying. What are your theories? Who's dad? Who's wh- wh- who's the son? Do you th- do we think that Gabe, the new character, is Bonnie's son? And do you think the one that mom that he's talking to? Do you think that's Bonnie's sister? Because Gabe and Bonnie have never been in the same room at the same time, so she wouldn't know that Bonnie's actually his mom. Because that means that Bonnie's sister looks a lot like Bonnie. So we'll see. All right, what are your theories? Go ahead and hit me up on my social media at it's just a talk, and we're gonna move on. told you I was going to try and change the music because it's Latinx Heritage Month. And, uh, según, según ellos dicen. Um, para mí, it's always Heritage Month, okay? Porque I'm always playing Spanish music or music of our people. 
So we're going to move on to our question of the week. Uh, this week, it was actually National Coming Out Day. Uh, if you don't know what National Coming Out Day, National Coming Out Day is a nationally recognized day where people are supposed to come out of the closet or celebrate their coming out story of the closet. Um, and so I felt like our question should be surrounding that. Uh, so uh, this week's question is, why come out? Um, I actually came out 12 years ago. Um, if you don't know what my age is, you down know that I'm 12 years older than whatever you thought I was. And now you're really going to know my age because I came out when I was 18. Uh, so I came out right after high school. Um, and I remember uh, it was a really rough time. I have a whole uh, It Gets Better video on my YouTube. Uh, if you ever are interested um, watching it, just hit me up and I'll send you the link. Uh, because I won't go into my coming out story. This this question is not, Mauricio, what was your coming out story? Uh, because I am in a very good place now in my life. Um, if you would have told me when I was 18 that things were going to be looking just good, I'd be in my own apartment uh, in Oakland uh, with, you know, just have done all the things that I have done in my life over the past 18 years, I would have been like, yo, you crazy. Because, like, I don't even know, like, what I'm going to eat tomorrow because it was really bad. Um, but with that being said, I wanted to really just talk about why it's so important for people to come out. Uh, a lot of times it's really hard for uh, heterosexual people, straight people, to understand why come out because straight people don't necessarily have to come out. And I understand why straight people don't have to come out because in our society we are expected to be heterosexual. So you're assumed to be straight until otherwise proven. It's like, oh, you're not guilty until proven guilty or whatever. I feel like you're heterosexual until you say so yourself. Or if you're me, all through elementary, you're, like, bullied because students think my classmates thought that I might have been gay. Which, bitch, I was. I was very gay. I remember in elementary, there was two people, three people, actually, that got bullied a lot. It was myself. Um, it was this kid called Ricardo Ayala and this kid called Moises. So, Ricardo left to, like, I think it was, like, Kentucky when we were, like, in fifth grade. So, uh, plot twist, Ricardo's also gay now. I follow him on Instagram, and bitch is gay. Like, he's living his best gay life with his Speedos. Like, he does, like, the CrossFit and everything. And, like, he, he really has that Transformation Tuesday. For him, it's real. For me, it's just, like, oh, you went from, like, real skinny to, like, kind of skinny. And he went from, like, real skinny to bam, like, damn. And my the other kid, Moises, um, he actually took a different road and... Um, he's actually, I believe, the last time I checked, he was in prison. Regardless, and irregardless uh, of that story, I think it's really important for people to come out because they're able to just be able to be free and be themselves. A lot of times, people don't understand how what how much of a mental thing it is to not being able to come out. Like, it is insanely crazy mentally, like, for mental health. So, like, I found this really good list that says 13 reasons why you must come out of the closet. Number one says keeping something so important is a secret is bad for you. And it is bad for you mentally. Like, it must really eat people up when they can't be themselves. Um, number two says coming out empowers those who can't, which is very real. You are trying to empower the next generation and just, like, leave a better world for all of us. Uh, number three says in a world filled with anti-gay leaders pushing for anti-gay policies coming out is a political act and being gay every day i would say is the act of resistance um number four dating gets way easier i don't know if i agree with that one Dating is not easy in the gay world. The advocate got it wrong. Dating is still really hard. Um, if you follow me on social media, you'll be knowing all the tea that be going on when I when when I finally give guys chances to try and date me. Nah, boo. Like I'm Beyonce always. Uh, so now dating doesn't get easier. It's just as complicated as dating gay people. I mean straight people. Uh, number five says. Hooking up gets way... I don't like this list. I should have prepped this list before. Hooking up gets easier? I guess it 
does, if you're into the hookup culture, I mean, straight people have Tinder, and gay people have Grindr. Uh, if you don't know what Grindr is, Grindr is this, like, app that gay people use to, like, track the nearest gays. It's like a gaydar f- in your phone. And then people on Grindr usually use it to, like, hook up. And for gay people, Tinder is what you use to, like, date. I know for straight people, Tinder is, like, the hookup app. I don't get it because you can't send pictures on Tinder. But on Grindr, you can get all them pictures. And sometimes that's all you get. You just get, like, a random dick, and you're like, oh, uh, I don't know about this. Um, number six says, coming out respects our hard work done by LGBT activists who came before you. Yes, I completely agree. Um, there's so many people that have just worked their asses off to be visible, and so you're doing a disservice to them by not coming out. Number seven says, coming out gives you the most honest picture of life. You can't... Picture your life completely if you're not 100% true to who you are. And that can be anything. Right now we're talking about sexuality. So if you feel like you gay or bi or asexual or whatever you might feel, you can't live your best life. You can't do hashtag live your best life if you're actually not living your best life. Uh, number eight says, coming out may be the hardest thing you ever do in life. It's important to measure yourself at least once. I saw this really good quote one of those days, and it said, you were giving the mountain in front of you so that you can prove to others that it's that you are able to move it. And I feel like coming out, it's just that. It's a huge mountain standing in front of you and, like, you living your best life, your best self, to you being happy 100%. And so you just need to get over that mountain. And trust me, if I can make it, you can make it. Uh, Number nine, coming out is the first step to appreciating your cultural inheritance. Um, I would say I kind of agree with this one. But, yeah, like, you are able to find out everything about gay culture. So come out. Uh, number 10 says, coming out reveals your allies. True. I never knew who was really my friend until after I came out. Because those people stood by me regardless of my sexuality. Because they knew the person that I was. And they didn't judge me by my sexuality. They judged me by my character. So, I agree with that one. Number 11 says, when you come out, fellow LGBTQ people become less terrifying. Yes! When you come out, you have this, like, vibrant family waiting for you and girl like we will fight for you at least i will fight for you like ask my friends i'm ready to fight like you tell like oh somebody's messing with you i'm gonna confront them like hood will come out uh number 12 says coming out means you get to have quote unquote your story and some of them are hilarious um and some of them are not uh but yes uh i think coming out is one of the most important things that a person can do um to just live them be- their best selves. Uh, it, it is hard. It It's not going to be easy, but I can assure you that it's going to be worth it. So if you've been just battling with uh, whatever it is, just think of people that you know they're already out and how they're doing in their lives. And reach out to those people, and I can assure you that none of us are going to say no if you need help. All right, so uh, with that, we're going to move on to our next section, our POC, or Queer Excellence of the Week. to our person of color or queer excellence of the week. And this week, I do not know where I've been in this whole world. I mean, this, like, past couple months. But for somehow, I missed this amazing woman. So I wanted to bring it back, bring it back, bring it back, uh, and give this award, this POC or Queer Excellence of the Week, to Maria de Jesus Patricio Martinez, also known as 
Marichui. So Marichui is actually a Mexican Nahua indigenous person. Uh, she is a traditional healer and human rights activist, and she was chosen this year in 2008 by the National Indigenous Congress in Mexico as the indigenous spokeswoman to be able to be part of the 2018 general election for presidency in which she ran as an independent candidate uh, candidate for the presidency of Mexico. Um, so Mari Chui, as she is known, she is a 54-year-old, like I said, Nahuatl woman. Uh, she actually started her campaign earlier um, at the land of the Zapatistas. Uh, if you do not know what the Zapatistas are, the Zapatistas is an indigenous uh, national liberation army uh, who in 1994 launched a campaign against NAFTA, which soon made them an international symbol of indigenous struggle and fledging a anti-globalization movement. Um, the struggle of Zapatistas to advance the rights of indigenous communities now fuels Marichui's campaign to represent the most marginalized members of the Mexican society. After the uprising of the Zapatista National Liberation Army, the community of Tutspan was invited to participate at the National Indigenous Forum. Um, and this is where she started her campaign, which is like a huge... Um, I guess I want to say a, a huge, like, just force. Uh, she needed 860,000 signatures in order to be on the ballot of the candidacy of the 2018 uh, general election for Mexican president. Um, her faith was in the hands of the indigenous people because these are the people that were fueling her campaign, the people of Mexico. Uh, and so one of the things that, one of the reasons why she lost the, the candidacy or wasn't able to collect all the signatures was because the way they're registering in Mexico is really hard for indigenous people. So you must understand that the indigenous people usually live in rural areas, in areas where they continue to live their their lives in the way that they've always known without technology. And the way that you register people in Mexico is by using an app. And so in these rural areas, usually they don't have phones or technology or there's no service there for them to be able to register. One of the big things, which is something that's actually recently happened in the United States, which I will talk about later, is that a lot of these indigenous people no tienen IDs. Like, they don't have IDs to register. So if they don't have an ID, then you can't register to vote, and you, you can't be one of the signatures to be able to get who... The signatures needed to be able to get Marichui on the ballot. Um, she does understand the violence that's happening in Mexico. She understands that a lot of people in the government are in bed with a lot of the, I guess, the the narcos. The narcos are like the, the drug lords and stuff of Mexico. A lot of the government people are in bed with them, and a lot of the laws and measures that they're passing in Mexico are hurting the indigenous population. And so this is why the National Indigenous Congress, like, wanted Marichui or Maria de Jesus Patricio Martinez to be able to stand up and be the candidate of the people. She became more of a spokesperson soon after the candidacy began because they knew they weren't going to be able to get the 860,000 signatures. But she knows that her being the voice and the of the people of, and of the indigenous people, la gente indígena, is the important part. And there's a quote that she said. She's like, "Yo sé que nos están matando. Nos van a seguir matando. Estamos muriendo. Pero es mejor morir que no hacer nada. So prefiero morir y hacer algo." So basically saying she knows that they're killing the indigenous people. They were talking about how, like, because a lot of the narcos control a lot of these small, like, pueblitos or small towns, like, they had to be out of the streets by a certain time. If not, you would get killed. And so she knows that there's going to be violence, and she knows that she's probably going to get killed, but she knows that she needs to reignite the movement, the indigenous movement in Mexico. They need to rise up again and know that just because they're inditos doesn't mean they don't know what's going on. They might be indigenous people, but they know exactly what the government is doing that's hurting them. So I want to give Marichui the person of color of the week of excellence 
of the Week Award. Um, and I just want to remind us all that we're all indigenous. I'm very indigenous. I look very indigenous. And so when I hear stories of the people who are still living in the ways that our ancestors lived, standing up for their rights, it's it's powerful. So I want to give a shout out. Congrats, Maris Chui. You're doing you're going you're doing great, sweetie. You're doing great. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Of course, I needed to start today in the country section with some Noticiero Univision uh, music because, you know, we're keeping it Latinx Heritage Month or trying to keep it as Latino as possible. I might just change it uh, to this. I like this. I like the... Ahora comenzamos. I could say, ahora comenzamos. Today in the country. Noticiero. It's just a talk. We'll figure it out. But anyway, so this today we have three topics that I really want to talk about. Uh, the first topic is last week, uh, there was actually one of the first interviews that Melania Trump, the current, uh, it's so hard for me to say, the current first lady is uh, did. Uh, she did an, an exclusive interview and for ABC News where she talked about several things uh, that had just been in the press about her. A uh, couple things. She described herself as the most bullied person in the world. So I want to start with that because it's really interesting that Melania Trump thinks she's the most bullied person in the world when I can generally say that her husband is one of the biggest bullies in the world. So um, it's interesting that they're both in the same household when one of them is the biggest bully and the other one feels like the most bullied. Uh, she said that she feels like the most bullied because the left-wing media is always always trying to speculate things about her. Um, it was really interesting uh, when they asked her if their marriage was fine, if he, if she loves her husband. She didn't say, yes, I love my husband. She says, yes, we are fine. Everything is fine. I was like, girl, that doesn't sound like you're fine. I will say that before this, I felt really bad for Melania. And even when I went to Washington, D.C. the last time, I was like, Melania, girl, like, blink twice if you need help. We got you. But this interview really showed that Melania is fine. She deserves her husband, and her husband deserves a person like her. Uh, one of the main things that the interviewer asked her was about her famous Sarah jacket that she wore when she visited one of the camps in Texas, and the, it said, I really don't care, do you? And it was a huge controversy that she would wear that when she was going to visit one of the concentration camps that's holding uh, immigrant children in Texas. And her response was, I was not wearing that because of the children. I was weighing that as a message for the left-wing media, telling them that I really don't care what they say. Um, it's really interesting that she would use this jacket the same day that she was visiting these children. Um, she sounds like she is manipulative. She sounds like she is also not right in the head. Uh, she mentioned that she always talks to her husband and lets him know who she who she doesn't trust in the White House. And when they asked her, you know, why, who are some of these people, she said, oh, some of these people don't work here anymore, which very much could be that if Milano doesn't like you, then you get fired. Um, also, when they asked her about the Me Too movement, she said that she's for the women and that she supports the women, but that we also need to think about the men who are being accused because she said that she doesn't believe women who just say that it happened. They need cold, hard facts and evidence that this actually happened. If not, then you're ruining people's lives. Um, she also mentioned that Brett Kavanaugh is a very fine person and that she believes that everything he's going to do is going to be great for the country. When asked if she's looking forward for re-electment, she said whatever her husband does, she will stand by him, but that he's doing a great job for the people of the United States, and that she knows that the people are happy with her husband. 
it's really interesting to me that um, how delirious the people are. Like, these people are literally delirious. Like, I don't know what world they live in. Most bullied person in the world. Her husband's doing an amazing job. The people of the United States are very happy with him. I, I don't, I don't get you, girl. I'm moving to uh, Mexico Beach, Florida, where Hurricane Michael hit a couple uh, days ago this week. Uh, So far, there's been uh, 17 confirmed deaths. Uh, If you don't know where Mexico Beach is, it's about a two-hour drive um, south from Tallahassee in Florida. Uh, It's Obviously, it's called Mexico Beach because it's in between the the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, there was a huge uh, category, I believe it was a Category 4, going into a Category 5 hurricane named Hurricane Michael. Don't know if they named it Hurricane Michael because Halloween's coming. And maybe they named it Hurricane Michael. It was like a promotion for the new Halloween movie that's coming out. Maybe that's what they named it, Hurricane Michael. Anyways, I shouldn't joke about it um, because people have died uh if you look at the pictures it just looks horrible like some of the streets are even missing they looks like a complete destruction obviously fema has gone in and tried to really help the survivors um try to really get as many people out alive as possible so prayers go to the people of mexico beach and florida uh of course hurricane michael is now headed up uh it's gaining momentum so let's pray that things don't get worse like i mean i feel like these hurricanes are just worse and worse every year and it's not, i don't know if it's because i'm getting older and i'm realizing or if they're actually getting worse and if they are actually getting worse i mean i guess we should believe scientists huh i guess climate change is real Anyways, we're going to move on to uh, something else that's happening uh, very similar to what's happening in Mexico with why Marichui is the one that wants to get the indigenous population rallying. In North Dakota, there was recently a law passed that's disenfranchising the Native Americans of North Dakota. Basically, the law said that in order to register to vote, you needed an actual address, like a USPS address, in order to vote, um, which is an issue because Native American people, indigenous people of the the United States, um, if you live in a reservation... The government does not give you an address because it's a reservation, so you don't have a residence. You actually get a P.O. box. And so this means that if people cannot register using their P.O. box that they're given because they live in a reservation, then this is the way that voter suppression works, which means that people in North Dakota won't be able to vote for things that will affect them because they don't have an actual residence. This actually went to the Supreme Court a couple of days ago, and the Supreme Court did nothing about it. I mean, I'm not surprised. The Supreme Court is very conservative now, so why the hell would they care about Native people? So if you wanna, you're wondering how border suppression happens, this is one of the many ways that border suppression is happening. I mean, I really hope that the North Dakota people figure it out, uh, so that these Native Americans can get their voice out there and be heard. All right, we're going to go ahead and move on to Hoy en el Mundo. Noticias del Mundo. All right, Noticias del Mundo. Yo soy tu reportero, Mauricio. All right, so first we're going to go ahead and go to Nepal. So Nepal is, if you don't know where Nepal is, let me tell you dónde está Nepal. Mira, Nepal está en el mundo, obviamente, pero vamos a hacer un mapa. It's near New Delhi. Uh, if you're not sure where Nepal is, Nepal is above India, I believe, uh, around New Delhi. So Nepal is a bunch of mountains are in Nepal. And most recently, uh, it's like between India and Tibet. Most recently, there was nine, eight hikers, nine, including nine hikers, that uh, were killed 
during a snowstorm, including uh, a South Korean world record holder. Uh, the violent snowstorm killed him while they were hiking the 2,400-foot Mount Georgia, uh, and their four guides also died on Friday after falling off a cliff during the storm. The Nepali officials said the bodies of the team's local guides were also spotted from a helicopter. The fifth climber uh, from South Korea was also missing and is presumed death, which is why I said that there's nine uh, so far that they're presumed dead. It seems no one is alive. It was the deadliest accident to hit Nepal's climbing community since 2015 when an avalanche set off by an earthquake plumber climbers in, on Mount Everest and killed 18 people. Rescuers said Saturday that they had located the bodies at eight climbers near Mount Gurja's base camp, which sits about 1,000 feet above sea level. But helicopters could not land on the area uh, long enough to retrieve them because of strong winds and the remoteness of the camp. The nearest police station is the three-day walk, um... Their tents were destroyed and dead bodies were scattered everywhere. So, bless their soul. Uh, I mean, I don't know what to say. That happened in Nepal. Uh, it's one of the big news that's happening right now. And then we're going to go ahead and go to one of the most popular world news that has been going on in the last couple weeks. I didn't. I was unable to talk about it last week because we got really into this like Brazilian um, election. And so we're going to talk about it now. So about on October 2nd, uh, a prominent Saudi journalist named Jamal Khashoggi uh, shook the world as he would disappear um, and nobody knows where he went. The last place Khashoggi uh, was seen was at the Saudi Arabian consulate in Istanbul, Turkey. He entered but reportedly never left. Now over weeks later, little is known about Jamal Khashoggi's whereabouts. Officials from Turkey now fear the worse. They worry that the Saudis murdered the Saudi journalist after he entered its diplomatic station. Uh, Jamal Khashoggi, a Washington Post journalist and exiled Saudi critic, wasn't always a critic of the Saudi government. In fact, he had a history of working very closely with the Saudi government at one point even serving as an advisor to senior Saudi officials for the time. Despite his close relationship with Saudi royal family, his vocal support for reforms often got him in trouble, even forced him out of the newsroom leadership positions in Saudi Arabia on several occasions. He advocated for equal rights for women, criticized the kingdom's crackdown on human rights activists, and called for greater press freedoms. Uh, that was especially true after the new crown prince, Mohammed bin Salam took control. Uh, Jamal Khashoggi fled uh, Saudi Arabia in September 2017 after the Prince Mohammed bin Salman took control and went on a self-imposed exile in the United States. Uh, and this was really important because during the time uh, the Mohammed bin Salam took over, a lot of journalists and critics of the regime or I guess of the like royal family started disappearing and were gathered together and started you know just like missing uh Kosogi became even more outspoken in his exile uh he began writing for the Washington Post where he openly criticized Saudi Arabia's military campaign in Yemen as well as Mohammed bin Salami's leadership but it it is this that what led to the disappearance of ja Jamal Khashoggi. Um, he went to the consulate in, in, in Istanbul, Turkey, to be able to get papers, to be able to finalize a divorce and marry his uh, fiance that was waiting for him outside. The fiance waited for about 11 hours before uh, realizing that he wasn't coming out. There's different theories that are going on. One of the theories is that. The Saudi government sent 12, there's like videos and pictures of 12 um, armed people, or like, I guess they're saying that there's people that killed him. Uh, there's stairs that say that he was dismembered at the consulate, and then his body was 
got they got rid of his body that way. Um, the consulate though that says that that does not happen that he exited a different way, but there's no video that shows where he exited because the consulate said that that those cameras were not missing as well as he has not been heard from. Uh, next week the government will definitely finally get approval to enter the consulate and see what act and just like investigate uh weeks after his disappearance so yeah this is a big news jamal kasogi was a very prominent um journalist and now he's missing and probably dead because he spoke out against the prince mohammed bin salman and his regime so all right so we're gonna go ahead and move on to our next section where we get to talk some shit are you ready because i'm ready let's talk some shit shall we to put some Selena to get me in a move of talking some shit. So today I'm going to go to Brooklyn, New York to talk some shit to this lady we have dubbed Corner Store Caroline. So if you have not heard uh, the news a couple days ago, there was a woman uh, that we dubbed Corner Store Caroline, corner store Caroline, that called the police on a little boy, when on a nine-year-old boy, when she claimed that the little nine-year-old black boy grabbed her ass and assaulted her. Uh, there's video of her screaming at her mom, telling her that the little boy had grabbed her ass and they had assaulted her, and that she was gonna call the cops on them. Of course, there's an, a white woman. Just this is what they do. I've realized that, that when people call the cops on black people or on people of color, it's it's a tactic of fear. It's like, oh, you're not going to listen to me? I'm going to call the cops. Well, white people don't understand that calling the cops is almost like calling someone to kill these black people or these people of color. And this is what needs to be understood. Uh, so Corner Turk Sally claimed that this is what happened. Earlier, later this in, in the week, I mean, uh, there was surveillance video that came out that said, that showed clearly that the boy did not touch her. The boy was holding like a, a loaf of bread that mom had just bought. And it was his backpack that graced her. But she claimed that he had actually grabbed her her ass, this nine-year-old boy. She then apologized and said that she was wrong, and that was all she said. But that's not enough, sweetie. It's not enough because you you now have showed this poor boy that he can't walk the world the way that he thought he can walk the world. And you can walk the world and call the police whenever you want, and you think this shit is going to happen. So not enough. You're apologized. Apology not taken. So fuck you, corner store Caroline. And then we're then going to go to uh, New Orleans. St. Louis, actually, not New Orleans. We're going to St. Louis, where a woman actually finally got fired for blocking a a black man from entering his loft. So in the video, um, the man was taking a video, and he was trying to go into his uh, apartment, and this white woman was blocking him and was telling Telling him, no, you can't come in. I'm going to call the police. You need to tell me where you live. Like, what apartment number do you live? I don't feel safe. Blah, blah, blah. And then she gets on the phone and starts calling the cops. Thankfully, he videotaped everything and he actually lives there. So as he was calling, as she was calling the cops, he got in the elevator. She got in the elevator with him. He got off the floor. She followed him to his apartment floor. Saw that he got in and then was like, I'm sorry, man, you look stupid right now. And this video went viral and her employer actually fired her for this. So, yes, these people need consequences. People need to know that when they see people of color, just being themselves, calling the police is not going to get you out of these things. Like, so if this has ever happened to you, I need you to take your camera phone out and get this done. The last time that this happened to me was when I was trying to get my passport 
I went to the USPS here in um, the hills in Oakland. It's uh, by where St. Mary's is. I can't think of the... Uh, Saratoga, I think it is. Well, it's where St. Mary's is at. It's like the hills, like rich white people. I went to that one because it was a, the, soon, the one that had an appointment for a passport the soonest. I went, I had all my paperwork, I had my birth certificate and everything. I get to her and she has a problem with my paperwork. And she was like, oh, uh, I'm sorry, I need to talk to my uh, supervisor about this. Of course, she's an older white woman. I'm like, okay, sounds good. So then she brings back her super her supervisor, and she's like, I'm sorry, I can't process your paperwork. And I was like, why? And she's like, because it's a fake birth certificate. And I was like, uh, no, it's not. And she was like, yes, there's a fake birth certificate. She's like, I've been doing this job for so-and-so years. And this birth certificate is not real. Went back and forth, and I was like, yo, like, give me my birth birth certificate back. And she wouldn't give it back to me. She then eventually was like, I am so sorry, but by law, I need to shred false paperwork. And this lady legit shredded my birth certificate in front of me because she was convinced that it was fake. She even went as far as to say, maybe you should call your mom and your parents. She said, maybe you should call your parents. Maybe they told, they lied to you when they told you you were born here. Maybe you weren't. I was so angry. Not only at the situation, I was angry that I did not pull out my phone. I was angry that this had happened. I remember I went to my car and I was so enraged. I called one of my best friends and I cried. I was like, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe this woman like just shredded my birth certificate she made it even harder for me to get a passport because then i had to travel to la go to la county order a new birth certificate like literally pay for it pay more money for my passport so lesson of the story is you should whenever somebody starts harassing you for being the person that you are and being where you're supposed to be girl pop out that phone pop out that facebook live that instagram live and put them in their place people need to learn that they can't just get away with this shit anymore like social media is working and that's what I'm talking shit about today. If this has ever happened to you before, I would love to hear your stories and just mention them on the next episode. Uh, please send me emails at podcast.itsjustatalk at gmail.com or shoot me on my social media at itsjustatalk. I would love to hear just the things that have been going on to get them out there in the world. on to our next section, our one of our last sections of the podcast, and then we're going to finish with episode 006. That is La Opinion. La Opinion is the segment where you ask me questions, I give you my best of my opinion or my examples of what happened in my life, and you can do that by emailing me at podcast.itsjustatalk at gmail.com or getting at me on my social media and just asking me these questions that I can then mention on the podcast. Uh, our first question comes with my friend Natanya and Natanya actually asks is emotional cheating worse than physical cheating? This is really interesting Natanya because I have always said that as I get older I start realizing the power of sets and how like sets with someone that you're in love with is a lot more uh, enjoyable and a lot more powerful than just like meaningless sets and so when someone is cheating physically a lot of times they're just cheating because of sets not necessarily because they have an emotional connection with someone but I feel like emotional cheating is sometimes even worse because that means that they like no longer love you and so they're looking for somebody else to give them that emotional needs that they're not getting from you or that they don't want from you anymore and that has nothing to do with you Natanya at all that is all on them a lot of time it's because they're quote-unquote basura and so a lot of these men are vasura, and they know that they are, and they pretend like they're not. Um, and so is emotional cheating worse than a physical affair? 
I would say yes, Natanya. It's a lot worse. The next question comes from my friend Josh. And my friend Josh asks, how does one choose to inspire people? Um, I'm guessing they try to ask, like, how do I... I'm going to tell you how I choose to inspire people. And maybe that will help you choose how you can inspire others. Um, this is actually a really good question because I talked about this uh, this past Wednesday when it was uh, National Coming Out Day. I choose to inspire people to just be myself. Like, I realize that there's nothing more inspiring than someone that's not afraid to be who they are. And I don't think I'm afraid to be who I am anymore. Like, I am loud. I am stupid funny. I am sometimes too over the top. But I don't care because, like, I'm going to be me. And I'm going to be me the most authentic way that I can be. And I think that's the best way that I can inspire people. And I hope that I do. And I hope that that helps you in not only trying to inspire others, but trying to be your true self. All right, we're going to move on to let's get this off my mente. There's two things that I want to get off my mente. The first thing is um, Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson apparently split up. So no more uh, engagement. I am so sorry, Ariana. She is literally, God might be a woman if she's Ariana Grande, because she's been going through it this year. Like, a lot has happened for Ariana this year. So I wish her nothing but the best. Uh, she's definitely someone that I stand behind uh, because she's a stan, and she's definitely an accomplice for people of color. So, sorry, Ari. And my last thing that I want to get off my mind before we move on and finish episode 006 is... Um, we need to be careful at bars. We really do. Uh, I mean, the, a lot of times we aren't just careful with our drinks and who we meet. And we have to remind ourselves that not everybody that we meet is good people. Um, I recently had an encounter where one of my really good friends um, got roofied at a bar. Um, and I had to go pick them up uh, the next day at the hospital. Uh, they don't remember anything what happened that night and thankfully there's still good people in this world um and so i want to go ahead and shout uh those people out i mean if it wasn't for good people my friend probably would not have made it he would not have gone to the hospital and got him better and so i am so grateful for this person her name is erica uh she's the one who found him uh made sure that he was fine that uh he got an ambulance and that whoever had roofied him uh could not had done whatever they planned to do with him uh he's fine he's just shaken up but there was a reminder that the world we live in is not always the best world and that we need to be careful where we put our drinks and who we trust um and so with that i end this podcast uh this episode actually and i will see you in episode 007 there's something special waiting for you uh i might not be here next week because i'm doing a conference over the weekend next week and I'm going to try to record before the conference, but if I don't, I might be a couple of days late, so I apologize in advance. Uh, and with that, I love you all. Follow me on social media at It's Just a Talk. Send me emails at podcast.itsjustatalk at gmail.com. I love you all. Ciao. Y ahora me planteamos los dos por igual, pidi pa' por igual.